Amen. I have one passage of scripture and I'm gonna elaborate on this because this is what the Lord gave me today. I'm not gonna be very long. I have a class that I need to go to and I'll explain to you what that is in a little bit later. Um, but John 16:33. John 16:33. Amen. John 16:33. I'm coming out of the NLT today. I'm going to just teach very simply today. Amen. Um, amen. The word of God reads, "I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Amen? Here on earth, you will have many <laughs> trials and many sorrows. Hmm? But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And he says here, the first part of this verse, I told you all these things, yet you may have peace in me. In me. Amen. I'm going to speak to you today from the title, God in the grief process. God in the grieving process. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3 and 4 um, I'm going to move a little expeditiously this morning. Ecclesiastes 3 and 4 says this. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. Amen. And I got this quote from GodQuestions.org. It says, life is filled with emotional seasons. <laughs> I love that. Some high and some low. Some filled with laughter and joy others with crying and grief. These seasons often overlap with laughter and heartache. Amen? You got, you know, you walk through a season, you got two things happening in the same season. You know, laughter and heartache, intermingling. The wise follower of God will not be surprised by life's emotional fluctuations or lose hope in the midst of them. Instead, he will accept that they are natural, and I love this part, and he will prepare for them. He will prepare for them. Amen? And then John 16, 7 through 11. John 16, 7 through 11. Jesus is in, is in his discourse with his disciples and he's telling them and he's preparing them, letting them know that he's about to die, he's about to go to the cross. And he's saying all these doctrinal things, these doctrinal truths about who the father is, what the father is like, what he's there to do. He's preparing them to understand that he is essential to life. He is essential to them being made right with God. He is essential. His sacrifice, his atoning death for our sins is essential so that we can be in a right relationship with God. And he's telling them this because he's getting ready to leave. So he's preparing his disciples that have been traveling with him and living with him and being taught with him and having every need, every situation met by Jesus Christ. He's letting them know, listen, your comfort zone <laughs> that you're used to is going to have a brief interruption. 
Why? Because the one that you're used to depending on, who you should rightfully depend on, is leaving. I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life. They didn't understand all the ramifications. They didn't understand exactly what that meant and, and what that would mean and, and how that was a good thing. So Jesus says this to them. He says, John 16, 7 through 11. But in fact, it is best for you, underline this, that I go away. Because if I don't go, if I don't, the advocate won't come. Then again, if I do go away, underline that, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, refuses to trust in me, refuses to rely upon me, does things on their own, thinks they can make it without me, even though I've made them. Amen? Amen. 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 And he says... They refuse to believe me, and then righteousness is available because, again, I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Thank you, Lord. Judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. So two things we see here. That last statement, point number one. Judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. He's basically saying, Satan is defeated. I'm going to win. I don't care what this looks like. How bad it gets, I win. He announces to them that you're getting ready to see some crazy things that are going to completely uh, uh, put you in a position where to your core, you're just nervous and you don't know how you're going to make it. And I, you know, you're going to be at your wit's end. I'm going to bring you to the end of yourself. You're going to have to depend on everything that I told you. Because you're going to see some things that are going to completely shake and rattle you. But I want you to know, you win. Why? Because you're with me and I win. <laughs> okay? So that's point number one. Point number two is this. Three times, I had you underline this, because three times in this little passage of scripture, thank you, Holy Spirit, I feel your power. Woo. Three times he says, I'm warning you that I'm going away. And you need to hold on to everything I'm telling you because I'm going away, but it's good for you. It's best that I go because if I don't go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper. The King James Version says the comforter. Amen? And I'm sending the comforter because I want you to know that even though I'm leaving here and even though you have victory, in the meantime, I'm concerned about your emotional health. So I send the comforter so that sorrow upon my leaving will not completely overtake you. You ever had a situation where you lose somebody and you feel that weight? That sorrow. I've experienced it. There's times when it's just like paralyzing. It's like I can't get up. But he says he sent the advocate. He sent the helper. He sent the comforter. Amen. So that you would know that your victory is certain. He reassures us of the victory that we have. And also in the meantime, he cares about your emotions. He cares about you being comforted when you have loss. When loss occurs, not if. 
Amen. He sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 and 18, a scripture that we all hear all the time, a passage of scripture, I'm going to take it out of the King James and put it in a different translation so we don't get used to it. Amen. So we can hear this a little differently. But this is something we hear at funerals all the time. Amen. And it says 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, uh, 4, 14, rather through 18. It says, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when he, when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Amen. We tell you this woo, directly from the Lord. He's like, I'm not making this up. Amen. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Amen. So mama and him going first. If they believe in God, we will not beat them and beat them up in the air faster than they will go. They will be there before us. Amen. All right. And then he says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Amen about that. So he says, very simply, encourage each other with these words. So the point of this passage is so that believers will have hope even though they have to face death. Amen? Amen? And, then, and if you're still here, you know, when the Lord comes, you will just be changed. We've, we've heard the scripture. Amen? But those who are still here dealing with the loss, that verse 13 gives us the passage purpose for the whole reason why he's saying this. This is verse 13. If you just go back up one verse, he says, and now dear brothers and sisters, yes, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. Underline this. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Did you catch that? We don't get stuck in the grief. Amen. Those who are in the world, who are not in Christ, they grieve without hope. But the believers, we grieve with hope. Now, watch this, saints. We grieve, but we don't get stuck there. Are you hearing me? We have an option that the rest of the world does not have. We can exercise something that the rest of the world will never have. We have hope. Amen. So here's my statement to you. And then let me show you where I'm going. What you will see in the coming days or months with me, depending on how long God takes me to see this or shows whatever he's trying to show me, you will see your pastor, Walter Jamie Hawkins, face all sorts and kinds of grief. Not so I would get stuck in that grief, but you will see me learn how God converts grief into purpose. Amen? By God's grace, he will blaze a trail from grief to purpose so that you and I and those who are attached to us 
who are going through this process will have a pathway to victory. I say this not because I know how he's going to do it already. I say this because I know my God already. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we don't have to know how he's going to do it. All we got to know is if God's behind it, this is leading somewhere. Are you hearing me? So what I'm saying to you, saints, is what the enemy sometimes, which the Lord will allow, let's be honest, what the enemy sometimes will mean for evil, God has the ability to turn it for good. Amen? In Genesis 50 and 20 says this, Genesis 50 and 20 says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. So just like Joseph, there are many of us, myself included, who have suffered for years not understanding why God is allowing things to happen to us. Back-to-back -back trauma for days and decades. Are you hearing me? Am I the only one that's been going through something? Amen. But here's the thing about our God. We may not understand exactly what he's doing, but as long as he's behind it, we can have hope. As long as he's still God on the throne and no one overthrows him, we can still have hope. As long as there's no one greater than God and God is the greatest ever, that means we can still have hope because we know that God is good and he cannot be anything other than good. He cannot allow anything other than good. And if it seems bad and he's going to allow it, that means there's, good, there's a good purpose behind it. There's a good reason for it. Amen? So God has this history. He just does this thing that he's been doing forever since mankind has been around to even notice it. He has a, the ability to make your trouble make some sense. Are you hearing me? I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I know this is going to make sense in just a minute if I just hold on. Amen. Amen. I may not have anything to do with it. You may, this, your trouble may not even be attached to you. It may not even be something that you're, you may be going through for a reason that has nothing to do with you. Amen. But it will be something that you will gain from it. Your pain will be a gain, not just for you, but also for others who are connected to you. Joseph was going through and he didn't even know why. Are you hearing me? But later on down the line, he's like, oh, I get it. I went to jail because he was just trying to save our necks. <laughs> I got lied on because you were, trying to, you were trying to keep us alive here. There was a famine coming. I didn't know. I had no idea what you were up to, God. But I was going through all those troubles, but I couldn't see it in the time. God has a history of taking those things and redeeming those things and, and causing hope and turning your grief into purpose. Amen? Amen. Grief is, is just a passageway to victory for you and for others who are connected to you. Amen. Just like with the resurrection. The enemy got up and probably did the electric slide when Jesus was on that cross. <laughs> he just rejoiced and I, I could just picture them, you know, having a complete and total party right up until Jesus got up. <laughs> then he said, uh-oh. 
wait a minute, this is not going the way I thought it was going to go. And Jesus was like, I told you so. So even in death, God has the ability to make sure that death does not have the final say. Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? God can bring life out of death. God can bring hope out of heartache. God can bring purpose out of pain. Amen. God will convert grief into his purposes. Are you hearing me, Linda? Amen. Amen. So I don't know why my little family or your little family (laughs) was chosen to go through this. But I'm certain that God has a plan. I can't tell you why you have had to suffer the losses you've had to suffer. Losses of all kinds. Amen? But I can tell you this for certain. God has a reason. God has a purpose. God never wastes one tear. No, he doesn't. He never wastes one tear. Amen. We don't understand it. But he does. And at times, as I said, it has nothing to do with you. Sometimes it has everything to do with the benefit of others connected to you. Amen? Amen. God specializes in taking grief and turning it into purpose. Now, that's where we're headed. But in the meantime, we got to walk through it. Right? Amen. We don't walk alone. We have the helper. We have the comforter. Amen? The only way to really deal with grief that is overwhelming, saints, is to trust God. I'm going to let that sit for a minute. Don't panic. Just trust God. We must trust that as we walk with God, he has the ability to take us through a conversion process. Amen? I say this because the conversion process from grief into purpose comes with a process. Amen? And that process will be, uh, there will be a destination that is guaranteed to bring us victory, but it also includes this journey that we go on. It's a journey with twists and turns and ups and downs and battles won and some casualties along with those battles. Some battles will be lost. They're not going to be all kinds of pretty times or pretty days. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There will be some ugly days. I've had quite a few of them. I'm just sitting there. If I looked in the mirror, it's like, boy, you look terrible. I'm just sitting there going, what, God? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is it just me? Amen. There will be some ugly days. And it's not a quick process. It's not this microwave thing that we normally used to. Some of this stuff, we're going to have to sit there, turn the oven on on 200, and just marinate in some things. Why? Because God is putting some good things in you during this process, but he's also pulling some not-so-wonderful things out of you in the process. So you're sitting there when we're used to, you know, one-minute thing. And God is like saying, no, 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 no. It didn't take two days for you to get this thing in you, and that's going to take a couple of days for you to pull it out. <laughs> Woo! 
So sit down, set it on 200, and chill out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's a process. You know, you'll get a job. You'll lose a job. You know, you'll win a game. You'll lose a game. A precious baby will be born while a precious relative is on their way out. You ever notice that? It's like you lose one relative and here comes the baby. It's like God said, next. And we have to deal with the grieving process. We were just rejoicing yesterday. You know, it was a baby reveal with a pink balloon and popped and all this kind of pink stuff. Let's go. And then you get the phone call. Oh, no, not Big Mama. That's real. That's real. It's like that laughter. Come on, Ecclesiastes. It's that laughter along with that sadness, along with that grief, that joy, and that dancing, along with that heartache. Huh? All right, back to our main scripture. John 16, 33. So in this process, how does this work, Pastor Hawkins? John 16, 33, here we go. I've told you all this, that you may have peace in what you're going through. Nope. That you may have peace in your circumstances. Nope. That you may have peace because this is a good year to stock market. Nope. That you may have peace because you find out that the guy that's cute, he actually does like you. No. He saw you without your makeup and thought you were still cute. No. That you may have peace, what? In me. Which, if you reverse that thing, there is no real peace outside of me. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> That's interesting. That, that just hit me. That didn't my, on my notes. Think about that for a minute. I want peace. Jesus is saying it's in one area. You will not have it outside of me. I mean, you may have a good time temporarily. Oh, that, that was great. That was a good ride. Man, the 70s were cool. And they were. Your hair was still growing. You could do all this. Look what happened. It's over. <laughs> it's over. It's a wrap. Now I got to do things to keep it like this. Just, just take it off. No George Jefferson ministry, none of that. It's a wrap. The key phrase here, saints, is in me. On the earth, you will have, I love how uh, the, the new translation says this, New Living Translation says this. It says, uh, you will have many trials, many sorrows. Amen? But he says, but take heart. What does that mean? Put on hope. Take a hold. Grab a hold of the hope. Amen? What is that? All the things I told you, grab a hold of your hope. Who is your hope in? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, in me you'll have peace. Put on hope in Jesus Christ. Because everywhere else, everywhere else, on Christ the solid rock, I stand all of the ground is sinking sand. All of it. So put your hope on. Wear your hope. Put it on. Take hope. <laughs> Amen. 
because I have overcome the world. Walking with God, you only find your peace in Jesus. You're not going to have it anywhere else. And what he's saying is, if you look at the context of this, he said, not by focusing on what you're going through. You're going to have to step outside of your circumstances to get a good perspective on your circumstances. In it, you can't see it. Outside of it, I got a better, I got a better view. Huh? So you're saying, you step out of that, and you get a better perspective on your grief, on your sorrow. How do you do that? Well, you got to put your focus back on Jesus. Are you hearing me? We're going to end here. I ain't got a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, we got to go. All right, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Almost done. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Is this good? Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. All right. Since you have been raised to new life, and I've preached this before, but I want you to see this from a different angle because now that I'm going through this grief process, this thing hits a little differently. Okay? Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, your goals, your mind, refocus your attention huh? on the realities of what? Heaven. Here we go again. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God the Father's right hands. How do you do that? Okay. Here comes the explanation. Verse 2. Come on, Holy Spirit, teach. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Are you hearing? Are you seeing it? We want to stay here, but the reality of our experiences tell us this is not cool. Everything that we are concerned about and over-concerned about is, is just pointless. Amen. J.I. Packard said something that's really interesting. We call him Packard because he packs in truth like you would not believe. Okay. J.I. Packard describes suffering in this way. He says, suffering is getting what you do not want while wanting what you never get. <laughs> Ouch. And that is this earth. No matter what you think you get, there's some kind of load that comes along with that. Right? So he says, set your mind, your eyes, your attention, your goals, your sights, on the realities, the very real reality of heaven, not on the things of the earth. Amen. How do we do that? Well, just before we go there, it's kind of insanity when you think about it. There's so much pain in this world. Yet that's all we're thinking about. There's betrayal, deception, evil, Folks are crazy. We're not getting better. I don't know if something's in the water. I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, we, we can't take enough drugs. Now we got to take stuff that just kills you in two seconds. It's like, I, how high you really want to get? It's just bad out here, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. I was talking to my son about some music, and, you know, you know I'm old school now. I'm, I'm considered old school now. You know, things are changing. Geneva's like, y'all, you ain't old school. Yeah, I haven't gotten to Bobby Blue Bland just yet, but, but I'm considered old school. So I like, you know, certain things, and, you know, and, and I listen to some of the new stuff, and I'm like, you can't put that in a record. 
What did you just say? That's just crazy. And they just, it's going to be hot. I'm going to say this 45 times. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And folks are we're legalizing drugs and folks are driving high and it's legal. It's just crazy. It's just getting worse out there. So what I'm saying is, is we want to stay here. There's just pain and destruction and, and all our minds are on the things of the earth. And it's like, when will we wake up? That's insanity. You know? Why would we set our minds on something that's dying and showing obvious signs of decay? Oh, that was good, Lord. That was good, Holy Spirit. Huh? What you thinking about? I, well, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to get to this. I got to... All earthly things. It's just, you know... You know, Johnny's on a soccer team. We got to make sure he, he makes a soccer team. And 20 years from now, the people been doing soccer, smoking weed, kicking ball. <laughs> That's the new version of soccer. Go! I know you think that's crazy, but it's coming. It's coming. Some of the stuff I never thought I would see, I'm living it and I'm going, my goodness, this is happening right before my eyes. It's just bad. And this is all we are thinking about. We got our minds on the things of this world. I looked in my garage this week. I told some, some of you in Bible study. I'm going through my garage and I'm seeing all these things that, that, that you know, are just heartbreaking. You know, heartbreaking stuff. I'm getting purging things out of the house. I was explaining to you people, it's like, it's, it's not like I'm just getting rid of things. I'm getting rid of a, a, a life. You know, it's like, ouch. You know, memories, pain. You know, and he, the proof of what I've had my mind on is in the garage. This is what you've been doing. And look where it ended. So, what happens? Well, verse 3 says, For you died to this life, and your real life, as I explained some months ago, the hidden life, the treasured life, the real life is hidden with Christ in God. So Jesus, my daddy taught me this, and I'll never forget it. And I want to teach it to you. I said it to you before, I want you to have the cementing in your mind. Jesus points to the Father. He reveals the Father. Jesus displayed what the Father was like when he was here. Amen? So we know what God the Father is like. Why? Because we saw Jesus. Amen? And then the Holy Spirit points to Christ. He points to Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See what's happening? He reveals Christ to us. Amen. He empowers us to be like Christ so that now we have the Holy Spirit in us. He empowers us to be like Christ and we go on displaying who Christ is. Why? Because the Spirit of Christ, being the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. Amen? Amen. He empowers us to be like him. And then the Holy Spirit does something else that's most miraculous. He reminds us of everything that Jesus said and did. Amen. The Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance everything that Jesus said. So one of the things that my Aunt Ernestine, switching pastors now, <laughs> she said something to me and it made a lot of sense. She taught me that if you take your mind off yourself, you'll feel better about yourself. 
Hang with me, I'm going somewhere. So if you set your mind on Christ, which is not setting your mind on you, then maybe that'll help you with your grief process. Oh, God. Because when I'm going through all that stuff in my garage, I had to keep coming back to the central thing, which is this. You know what, Jamie? All this stuff does not matter. The bottom line is Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ died, Jesus Christ rose again, and he's coming to get you and me. That's the bottom line. Everything else is underneath that. Are you hearing Amen. So when the grief becomes overwhelming, he's saying, don't think of the things of the earth. Think of Christ and where he is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Are you hearing me? He overcame the world at the cross of Calvary, and in spite of tribulations, in spite of sorrow, in spite of pain, in spite of grieving, they could rest assured that they were on the winning side, but also because of the coming Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would give them new powers of endurance. What do you say? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying what I'm going through, I'm not going through by myself. I got somebody who's holding my hand. I got somebody who's empowering me to stand. Even though I feel the grief creeping up on me, I'm not going to go down in a situation where I can't even get up. The Holy Spirit says, get up, Jamie. Get up. Get up. You can make it. You can make it. A wise heart, Ecclesiastes 3 and 4, a wise heart, this time the voice translation, don't worry about it, I didn't put it up there, but just listen to it. A wise heart is acquainted with grief, but a foolish heart seeks only pleasure's company. Wow. A foolish heart only seeks pleasure's company. To be prepared for what is going to come. Folks will come here and folks will go. Am I right about that, Gina? They will come and they will go. And for those of us who are still here to face it, we have to be prepared for that. Now, how do we get prepared? The Holy Spirit lives inside of us to help us to put our minds back on Christ. Isn't that simple? Isn't that lovely? Isn't that very loving of God to do that for us? We have the comforter, not just to catch our tears, but to empower us to refocus on the only one who is with us during the times of grief. Amen? So that grief even though the impact is coming, it doesn't have to be as destructive. Because we have an option. We don't grieve as the world grieves. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. Amen? And God gives us this grief as an opportunity to receive the gift of salvation. Why do we even have grief? Because if we spend all of our days having fun and we don't see anybody check up out of here, then we'll be ill-prepared to face death. Amen? We need to live every day like we're preparing for our final 
destiny. Amen? Amen? Today, I'll be leaving right after service to take myself into a grief class. I will be doing this for several consecutive Sundays. I worked out childcare for this week. <laughs> but I'm doing that and I'm letting you know because I believe that God has a conversion process where I don't have all the answers. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but I know there's a reason for this. And after I come through this, my prayer is that God will use my testimony for someone else's good. Because God has a habit of taking grief and sorrow and pain, and loss, and disappointment, and heartache, and turning that into a purpose. He converts it in such a way to where not only are you blessed, but others are blessed. Amen? Amen? So I want you to be praying with me. I'm gonna go check it out, Linda, and I'm gonna go find out if you need to come. Okay? Because we gotta work this out. And there are resources that God has put on this planet and we need to take them so that we can get better. Amen? And I'm gonna walk this out right in front of you. I'm gonna do it right in front of you. So a lot of folks, they get so concerned about how things look that nobody gets healed because we're too afraid to show people our process. Well, I'm not gonna do that. I come from a generation of people who did that before. And my father taught me, he was like, you know what? If we would have been more concerned about getting healed, we would have been all right. (laughs) So that's what we're going to do. And I know I'm not the only one. Amen? Some of us are going to church, carrying scars, putting makeup over it, and thinking that because we've covered it up, we healed. And we're not. And you go into new situations, God's going to bless you with something, and you're you're too damaged to do anything. Amen? So we have to take it upon ourselves to use these resources and say, Lord, I need your help. Walk me through this. Help me get through this. Because this ain't no joke. This is the absolute toughest time of my entire life. I cannot think of a tougher time. And yet, I know God is up to something. Amen? I know he's up to something. He's going to turn this thing into something that's going to be good. God in the process of our grief. Amen. I'm done. Let's stand.